Before we get started with the show today, I wanted to speak to my American friends. The holidays are quickly approaching, as you know, and with the pandemic, most of us will be doing the bulk of our shopping online this year for the loved ones on our lists. If you're in the US and you're looking for a unique jewellery idea, check out Shazzle Rocks on Etsy.com. The owner, Shazzy, you've heard her before on this show because she did an intro for us once, handcrafts unique pendants. If you're a fan of the show, they're probably right up your alley. She makes copper and crystal tree of life pendants and other goodies. Right now, she's only shipping in the US, but through the holidays, Shazzle Rocks is offering 20% off everything in the shop and free first class shipping through the holidays as well. I've got to say, you've got to see these. They really are cool. This isn't a paid promotion. This is literally me telling you about something that I think you're really going to love. So head along to Shazzle Rocks. That's S-H-A-Z-Z-L-E-R-O-C-K-S. Shazzle Rocks. It's like Fraggle Rocks. I don't know if you remember that back in the day, but it's not Fraggle. It's Shazzle. Shazzle Rocks. And she is available on Etsy.com. Head along there. Look... Even if you don't decide to buy one, head along there and have a look anyway. You will not be disappointed. And now let's get on with the show. The Weird Wacky Wonderful Stories podcast is now proud to be part of the Low Tree Studios podcast network. To enjoy more great podcasts like this one, head along to lowtreestudios.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird Wacky Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts, Shelley and Bella. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 91 of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast. I think it's so funny how you do that. 91, 89, you do it all the time. Why are we going to do 100? 100! Yeah, I'm going to have to think of a different way to do it. (laughs) Well, we've got a cracking show for you today because we've got a family member, I guess we would call her now, haven't we? Just about. Yeah. Ruth Roper Wild will be joining us later on. One thing is that Ruth says that her book is going to be coming out in a week or two, but it isn't. It's already out. It's out now because we recorded this ahead of time. Yeah. Well, another thing is she has been amazing in supplying us a copy for you guys. A signed copy from Ruth herself. All you have to do, same as always, to win the book or to be in with a chance of winning the book, should I say, is to share this podcast on your social media platforms. So you can share it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever. Just tag us in there so that we know you've done it and then you will be entered into the free draw. And you never know, you might be lucky enough to win These Haunted Times Volume 2. Signed by Ruth herself. Right, so let's get going. We have with us today a member of our Weird Wacky Wonderful family. She's one of the UK's leading and most respected authors and researchers of the paranormal. She produces a regular monthly report for our show and has been the guest on many other podcasts and radio shows. She's always fun and a great storyteller. Please welcome to the show our friend, Ruth Roper Wild. Hi, Hi Ruth. How are you? <laughs> really good, thank you. Really great to be here again. Good, good, good. You truly are a member of our extended family now. 
I mean, we're going to have to Absolutely. get her a chair and a mic soon. I know. It's our Christmas card <laughs> list is just, just growing, isn't it? You know? yep. Hey, there's a thought. We could have an office Christmas dinner when we're all allowed. Uh, there out. we go. Hey, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a plan. That's a plan. <laughs> well, you're here today to talk about your new book that's coming out soon. I am, yes. Very excited. I just finished writing the last bit today. Oh. So it should hopefully be out next week or the week after. Wow. Fingers crossed, everything being equal, and if I manage to actually get the editing right. <laughs> I'm just in time for Christmas. Hopefully so, yes. That's the plan. That's amazing. That's ama- You are the Cliff Richard of the paranormal world. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do tend to do Christmas releases, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> you do. There we go. That's, some, that's something you can add to your bio now. Yeah. The Cliff Richard of <laughs> the, the paranormal world. <laughs> I've been called worse. <laughs> yes, have we? <laughs> Well, you sent us some snippets of the book, which obviously we can discuss today. But before we do that, for people that have had their head in a you know dark place for a while and don't know anything about you, can you just explain to our listeners kind of how you got into this and, and what your background is? Yeah, sure. I started being interested in the paranormal when I was quite little because the first house we lived in over in Suffolk had a couple of weird happenings with it. There was a lady that used to walk through it. The ghost of a little boy used to walk through it sometimes. And then we moved to Hertfordshire, and that's when the activity really ramped up because we moved into a house that had a poltergeist, or depending on which theory you read, a poltergeist moved in with us, not sure which. But either way, we're suddenly living in a house where things would just happen all the time. Objects would move, lights would be switched on and off, cooker would be switched on and off, crashes and bangs, things banging on the doors, on and on. All sorts went on there. And that just made me really interested in reading about you know, the paranormal, what what was it we were experiencing? So I started grabbing as many books as I could from the library, because this was back before the days of home computers. Yes, I really am that old. Yes, Um, are we? Not that I believe it in my head, but, you know. (laughs) And uh, I started, you know, reading vociferously on the subject, but I got a bit disheartened, really, because a lot of the books I picked up just regurgitated what the other books were saying. Mm. So you just got a lot of the same story repeated endlessly of somebody who saw a, you know, dusty old knight clanking around in a castle in 1700 and something. And that wasn't relating to what I was experiencing here and now in my life sort of thing. So I started building a database of the more modern ghosts, if you like, ones that were haunting recently if I could find them and that just kept on going for years really in the background as a sort of a hobby and I kept promising myself I'd pull it all together one day and write a book and then eventually you know the decades ticked away (laughs) and uh, I got to my early 50s and had the opportunity to take partial early retirement from work so that gave me four days a week to play with and I thought here we go time to write that book (laughs) And that was four years ago, just over four years ago, and I'm just about to publish book number five. And you're a very good worker because you keep putting them out. (laughs) I keep churning them out. (laughs) Somebody actually asked me recently, what's the longest you've gone between books since you started publishing them? And I said, honestly, you really want to know what the longest gap is from publishing one to starting the next? Yes, I bet you haven't managed a couple of weeks, have you? I said, um... I haven't managed a full day yet. It was 14 wow. hours. <laughs> wow. And this one's even shorter because I've already started fiddling and I haven't even published this one. <laughs> so what is it that spurs you on now then? Is it just your work ethic or is it just the fact that you just feel there's more that you want to get out? I 
think it's a combination of all of that, to be honest, and just the endless fascination it has for me. You know, I have so many people now, and bless them, just keep it coming, folks, who write to me through my various social media and what have you to tell me about what they're experiencing. And it just endlessly fascinates me what people are experiencing in their lives with the paranormal and trying to find correlations between what people are experiencing. So it just... I don't know. I I think I just must be the saddest person on the planet because I get so excited if I find a match to my database. It's like, I've got another ghost. I've got another ghost in the same area. You know, it's just (laughs) ridiculous. (laughs) And it just keeps me wanting to go back and back and back and keep checking and, and look for it. So... The thing is, yeah. I think that if you went back to when you were younger and you said that you were going to the library looking for these stories, you're actually producing the books now, the kind of books that you wish there were around when you were looking for them. So if there are people that are experiencing these things right now, then they've got somewhere to look now, you know, rather, rather than just finding the story of the monk that, you know, inhabited the old rectory and goodness knows what else. You're actually producing stuff now that's that's happening in people's homes. And some of the stories that I thought were absolutely brilliant that you sent through, one of which, which I think was incredibly credible, I probably should have worded that differently, incredibly credible, but <laughs> was the one that happened on the RAF base. Yes. RAF Upward you're talking about, Mm, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. This is the kind of story that I kind of love getting because the people who write to me with these are always a bit sort of, well, it's nothing really, and I'm sure you won't want to use it because nothing much happened. But, you know, I'll, I'll then speak to them by either email or I'll interview people in person, whichever they want. And it's always a case of, but that's what the paranormal is actually like. It's not like watching a horror film. Well, not normally. My house was a bit, but normally it's not like watching a horror film where lots and lots of things happen and then there's a big reveal at the end. For most people, the paranormal is a small happening that just doesn't fit into, you know, the reality of our daily lives. And this is exactly one of those. So, you know, this was a guy who wrote to me. It, it, It happened 30, 40 years ago when he was in the RAF. He was actually posted to RAF Whiten, but they didn't have any housing much at RAF Whiten, and he needed married quarters because he was, you know, married, um, had a family. So they offered them a house in nearby RAF Upward, which did have some vacant married quarters. So they moved in, that's fine. And, you know, he, he, he was working at his new posting and so on. But after a while, they noticed their little lad was starting, he was only about two years old, was starting to have very disturbed nights. And he kept going on about the man in his bedroom. And they thought that was slightly odd for a two-year-old to be mm. talking about the man in his bedroom, but kind of dismissed it as, you know, children will be children sort of thing. Just, you know, could just as easily be talking about a dinosaur, couldn't they, at that age? Yeah, exactly. They kind of ignored it until they both suddenly woke up one night simultaneously, him and his wife, and kind of looked at each other and looked around the room like, what just woke us up? What, why have we suddenly woken up? They realised that the house was suddenly really cold, or the bedroom was really, really cold. And at that moment, a grey figure walked into the room straight through the wall and straight through the wall into the adjacent property. They just sort of walked across their bedroom calmly. And it was wearing some sort of hooded garment. They couldn't really say for sure what. But they were obviously, they were both absolutely gobsmacked and just sitting there in bed trying to rationalise what they'd just seen. When about five minutes later, the, the... front door started pounding somebody knocking on their front door they went down to see it was and it was their next door neighbor who of course was also you know an RAF officer you know in the other married quarters that Mm. were joining to them 
and he was sort of saying, have you just had anything happen? And he'd been woken up because as it walked through their bedroom wall, of course, it walked into his bedroom, in effect. <laughs> and that had woken him up. The sort of two families sat there talking about it and decided that they actually could back each other up and go and report it to the family's office on the RAF base and say, we don't want to live in those houses anymore because there's something weird. So, yeah, that's what they did. They, they went the next day and reported it to the family's office. And they were expecting to get quite a hard time and have the mic taken out of them. This was the 70s. It was before all of these shows that they've got on these days, you know, where there's a lot more prevalence of it. Certainly it's spoken about a lot more than it was back then. Absolutely. I mean, back then, you know, you'd, you'd be as well to be laughed out of the, the building for even suggesting such a thing. Yeah. But to their surprise, the officer, uh, the family's officer, just sort of said, yeah, I've been expecting you. When do you want to move out? And he'd, <laughs> everybody who'd lived in those two houses had had the same problem. So, yeah, they moved them a week later. You think they would just, like, not put people in them? I wonder whether they kind of, like, offered them the place, and then when they left the office, they kind of, like, had a had a little bet between the... Yeah. Sort of like, you know, <laughs> I'll give it a week, uh, seven days, uh, nine days for me, you know, and uh, they a little did. wager on it. They probably made a fortune out of that. <laughs> <laughs> did he say if anything happened during that week? Interim? No, that was it. That was, that was everything that happened. That's enough. And that's what I mean about, it's just the one thing, but they were so certain of what they'd seen, that the two of them had woken up, it wasn't a dream, that they were like, we're out of here. We're not <laughs> living somewhere where ghosts walk through the bedroom in the middle of the night. I wonder if there's something still going on at that property today. I wouldn't be surprised, because the, the land that the airbase was on, some of that land used to belong to Ramsey Abbey. Okay. So this hooded figure, quite possibly a monk oh, from the yeah. Abbey. Right. You know, so if he's been haunting since it was an abbey right through to now, I would imagine that's just going to carry on whatever they build there. Well, it was a property in Lincoln Road. So if there is anyone on that Lincoln Road at the moment who is still having or knows of more recent occurrences at that property, then give Ruth a shout. Please, I'm sure please you'd love to give hear me a shout. It. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, there's me just offering up that you're going to take that, you know. Just, uh, I know. Always, always. Uh, talk, about, talk about control issues. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it's it's interesting because, like you said, it's, it'd be great if, again, I mean, it's 1974 is modern enough, but to bring it up even more to today's date would be fantastic, wouldn't it, to find out if it there's really still would. something going on there. And that that's what a lot of your writing does, which I, I really appreciate. I mean, we've talked about your previous books in the past, and especially where you've done the ones that are on the roadways, the roadmap of British ghosts, there are accounts in there of people that have had sightings and experiences really recently. Absolutely. And in actual fact, there's quite a few road ghosts in this book that's just about to come out, which is going to be called These Haunted Times, Volume 2. I almost thought about splitting it into two books and having a road map of British ghosts volume two but changed my mind at the last minute so there are actually some road ghosts in this one and one of those I spoke to the chap on the I think it was the Wednesday and it had happened on the previous Sunday oh wow, wow. so when you talk about recent I mean there are stories in there right up to and including 2020 and that's not the only one there's another one in there that's from 2020 so, yeah, they come right up to modern times. I have such a great following now where people will actually write to me. So, when you know, people will hear me on, you know, like your podcasts or on the radio or whatever, and then get in touch. And that's really, really what I need, because without people's stories, obviously, I can't gather this yeah. data. 
they're my lifeblood really that people will get in touch with me and tell me even if they think that you know what they've experienced is something really small and perhaps insignificant and they perhaps feel a bit silly phoning me or emailing me don't because it may well be that that one little snippet fits into something already in my database and just adds to the bigger story so yeah please always just get in touch if you've had a paranormal experience I want to know. Did we tell Ruth about that thing that happened with us, with that piece of art above the bed? I don't know. That was really weird. We were watching this interview on Netflix of one of the boys that used to live in the Amityville house. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we're watching it, and it wasn't, like, particularly scary or anything. No, it was, it was just, you he know, was just it, visiting people. It was just an interview. Yeah, you know, he's just talking. We've got this piece of, like, metal artwork above our bed. It's, you know, it's quite big, right? So we're yeah. watching, and all of a sudden, something smacks up against that and then falls into the bed, which is, you know... Between us. Between us. And it whatever it was, it was heavy enough that we felt it, but wow. there was nothing there. We pulled the covers back, we moved the bed away from the wall, trying to figure out what it was, and we never found a thing. It was as if someone had, had thrown sort of like you a know, rock, or, a rock something. or something. It hit the metal arc with, with force that made that move. And then it fell into the bed with a thump. I mean, the, there was obviously, you know, we're not, I'm not a pig or anything, but there was dust that came down. It hit it that hard, you know? Really yeah. weird. Really I wonder weird. what it was. Actually, we mentioned this on the last show that we did, so I'm not going to go into it too greatly. But we've had a couple of things that have happened in here over the last couple of years and i've got to believe that it's because we're talking about it more well it's funny because i did read somewhere and i can never remember where i read it but i read somewhere that the more you look at the paranormal the more the paranormal will look back at you yes mm-hmm. and i must admit you do begin to wonder if that is true the more you delve into this sort of thing yeah because certainly i was following one particular story last year which will appear in these haunted times volume two I saw the damn thing myself because I've kept driving along the road. I've been too scared to drive along the road since on my own. Oh, I'm really? ashamed, ashamed <laughs> to admit as a oh, paranormal investigator. <laughs> You've got to do I, it. Even if you I can d- go along with people with me. Oh, right. Okay. But, but honestly, it's, and it's really bizarre for me because obviously I do a lot of ghost hunting. I do a lot of going out to places that are meant to be haunted. And whenever something happens, I'm the first one to run up to try and photograph it or get an EVP of it, or to somehow corroborate the experience, get somebody else to see it at the same time or whatever. Yeah. And I don't, although I might get a bit spooked and a bit freaked out, I never shy away from trying to sort out what's just happened. But this is the one occasion where even the moment it happened, I could not persuade myself to turn that car around and go back and look for it again. Because there was just something that freaked me out so much about it it just had a real atmosphere of this isn't a good idea okay mm. let's try and rationalize the irrational okay oh god what that Here was a go. good that was a good that was a good little saying there incredibly like what incredibly credible yeah unless rationalize the irrationalize irrational or whatever oh, see, i messed it up now i wish you'd have left me that i was sounding really cool up until that point <laughs> What I was just saying is I personally don't like spiders. I'm, And I don't know why it's not like I've ever... Well, I have been bitten by one in America at your place. But prior to that, I was scared of them anyway. Rationally, they're not, they're not going to hurt me, the ones in this country. Do you know what I mean? They're not... 
it's not a major problem. They're not overly no. aggressive. So it's irrational that I should fear them in that way. So my question to you is, of all of the research that you've done and all of the accounts that you've read and looked into, have you ever known of any situation where someone has been harmed by the ghost? And I don't mean they're driving down the road, they've got scared and veered off the road. That's their doing. Yes. I'm talking, have they ever been physically hurt by a ghost? That's a very good question and not one I don't think I've been asked that before. And I'm trying to rack my brains because I can think of several where, like you say, they've crashed the car or Mm. tripped over or, you know, whatever as a result of seeing the ghost and being scared. But I'm struggling to think of one where the actual harm came from what they saw. Unless you believe so, in, like, possession. Well, I was going to say, there's that one in, I, I forget the name of it now, that uh, famous haunting that happened in the 70s. In the London. TV shows of, uh, yeah, in oh, Acne. the Enfield. Enfield, Enfield. Enfield Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I'm not aware of any... No, I'm not. I mean, I know when you watch some of the programmes on television, they're forever saying they get scratched, aren't mm. they? Yeah, but um, are they... But I can't, I don't know. I've never, ever had anybody say they've been scratched that Mm. I can think of for any of my books. In fact, I don't think I have got anywhere that where they've actually been harmed. Been terrified yeah. plenty of times. And then is that you? Is that yeah. is that our conditioning to the horror movies? It's like people being scared of clowns. People are only scared of clowns, really, since the clowns became a figure of these horror movies. You know, prior to that, they loved the clowns. I can remember going to the circus as a kid, thinking the clowns were awesome. They were the best part of it. Yeah, I think there is an element of that, for sure. But I also know... Because of, you know, what I do, although I might be spooked out a bit and something might make me jump, I will always go and head towards it rather than head away from it. Mm. But this one thing that I saw just made me want to get away from it. And it was a very visceral response to it. Mm. And curiously, one of the other witnesses had, had described something similar that they couldn't bring themselves to go back and look and they hadn't actually thought that they were seeing something paranormal until some time later they thought they were just seeing a man standing in the road and yet, um, and yet still had that feeling and yet still had that feeling that mm. in fact what their minds rationalized the feeling of was i bet he was one of those scam artists where they stand in the road and you turn around thinking they need help and then the rest of the gang jumps on you and uh, right okay you know steals the car or whatever that's that's how they rationalized at the time that they couldn't bring themselves to come back to look at it even though it was very odd but it was only really when they saw my post about has anybody experienced anything along this bit of road and she emailed me this lady and you know and obviously i I then corresponded backwards and forwards about what other people had seen. And she realised that she was seeing exactly the same thing that other people had seen along here. And that's when she said, well, you know, in reality, we kind of knew in our minds that what we were saying about, oh, well, it was probably one of these scams, couldn't possibly be true because this is one of those tiny, tiny little country lanes. And if you were going to run a scam like that and you stood there at two o'clock in the morning... Yeah, you'd still mm-hmm. be stood there at six o'clock in the morning and not a single car would have gone past you. So why on earth would you choose that point? It's too remote, you know. Do you think the environment could have played a part in the, the feeling because it was a dark country lane and you wouldn't expect someone to be stood out there at that time? Not for me, for them possibly, mm. you know, but not for me because I was actively looking for it. Oh, right. So you went looking for it. Yeah, that's oh, what yeah, she said. Yeah. Ah, right. Yeah. Okay. So she was trying to see it and saw it and freaked out. 
Absolutely. Wow. Okay, I missed that. The point at which I saw it, I'd been trying for about 10 months to see it. And it, because it so happens that piece of road, every fortnight until very recently, I had a, an engagement that I went to every fortnight that meant this was the most sensible route backwards and forwards. Mm. So every fortnight I went searching for this ghost because I was coming back at, you know, half 10 at night. And it wasn't, it was in about the 10th month of looking for it that I finally saw it. And curiously, where I saw it was not where everybody else has seen it. Everybody else has seen it in exactly the same spot. And I saw it two miles further down the road. So by the time I saw it, I'd stopped looking because I'd gone past the point where I was supposed to see it, if you know what I mean, and was completely relaxed and playing music and nearly home and and then damn me if it wasn't stood beside the side of the road scaring the bejesus out of me (laughs) (laughs) well there is always one isn't there there's everybody's always got one thing you know even if they're irrational like you with spiders everybody's got this one thing in it that that would scare them or some sort of a paranormal thing that if they saw that 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 would be the thing that would you know really freak them out I think what's weird about it from Ruth's point of view is, as she said, she's had a lot of exposure to this sort of oh, stuff. Yeah, she's no, gone I looking know. for it, and it was just a guy on the side of the road. So we don't know the full story, and I don't want you to tell me the whole story because I, I think this is a cracking one for people to get the book for and learn more about this. But that idea of, of it being something so innocent to a certain degree, I, that's probably the wrong word, but someone just stood on the side of the road should promote Absolutely. that feeling within you. Mm. That's what bothers me about it. because Yeah, it's not Michael Myers... you know i've I've seen quite a few paranormal things in my time Mm. and i've gone hunting for them hundreds of times and had some successes with that and and other nights where absolutely nothing happens of course because that's how it goes and there was nothing inherently terrifying about him as a figure there was just some very visceral response to him as if there was a feeling with him Mm. somehow I get that when Bella cooks. Oh, mm. harsh. Guess who is not cooking dinner tonight? I was just going to say, guess who's out of luck for anything to uh-huh. eat tonight? <laughs> There's um, stories in the book as well that include accounts of several witnesses. Okay, so like that last one that we just talked about with the guys on the RAF base, you know, that were seen in one house, then in another, and they were able to corroborate each other's story. But there's also instances whereby... Rather than there being several witnesses necessarily, there's several entities. And one of which that you mention is the one that occurred on Towton Moor. Yes. Towton Moor is in Yorkshire and it's the site of a, a very bloody battle from the English War of the Roses. The battle took place in 1461 in the middle of a violent snowstorm. And some historians have said that there might have been as many as 50,000 men fighting there that day. It was a really bloody battle. It went on for long hours and was made particularly awful because it was in the middle of this snowstorm and you could just imagine it It must have been absolutely horrific Mm. and since then it seems that i mean here we are what 600 years later nearly and people are still having experiences when they cross that area i mean it's quite a big area at outen moor and the battle will have covered quite a big area um, you know, because over the hours it will have kind of moved itself backwards and forwards, if mm. you know what I mean, over quite a large area of yeah. landscape. So people have heard horses' hooves there. They've seen the shadows of, um, you know, like a horse and rider. They've seen the figure of a man in full battle dress. They've seen soldiers marching. They've heard the sound of battle. So it's all kind of battle related, but 
but lots of different occurrences, if you know what I mean. Mm. And and people don't see exactly the same thing. It's not like it's just a plain replay of something. Yeah, that kind of thing is really interesting to me because obviously they're hearing the horse, they're hearing the war cries of the you know soldiers, if you like. So there's more than one entity there. And I yes. think that this kind of really begs the question about maybe this stone tape theory has a bit of credence behind it because how else would it happen? Are all of the entities sort of getting together wherever they are and said, right, okay, three o'clock next Tuesday, if we can all get together, we're going to be down on Towton Moor. Try and be on time this time, will you? Uh, last time, <laughs> you know, Bob, you didn't turn up. It was a nightmare. You know, Jenny had to do your part. Do you know? Do you understand what I mean? It's Absolutely, yeah. And I hadn't thought of it like that. That's a really good way of describing it, actually, because you're right. If that's individual, intelligent spirits, entities of some sort, replaying the battle, you know, actually coming along, then yes, they would have to kind of sync. You know, they all got to be it, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were all clocking on at, you know, three o'clock on Tuesday, like you say. But if it's stone tape theory where it's replaying the noise of the battle and some, you know, little snippets of it, like a, a half scene video, then that would explain why people see things all over that site. Because I guess it would just be a case of, do they happen to be in the right place at the right moment with the right atmospherics that set the stone tape running for a moment? Mm. You know, if if you understand what I mean by that, you know, if it's something recording somehow these big events and, you know, the theory, stone tape theory is that, you know, it's it's the big events that have the massive psychic imprint. Mm like a battle where lots of people have died horrifically and where you know it's not just about the death that they suffered but it's about the fact that there was huge things at stake in their daily lives that's why they were going to battle so that the emotions will have been running so high and there was probably family members on different sides of the conflict Mm. so you know the psychological impact on the nation to go to civil war of any description is it's just incalculable. And does that have this psychic psychic imprint on the land somehow and then replay as a stone tape theory type replay at some point? So if that were the case then, and if we were to say, okay, we were able to definitively prove that on that moor, it is definitely stone tape theory, okay? Somehow they're able to record it or what have you. Does that mean that ghosts don't exist? Not to me, because for me, I think when we finally get the answer to all of this, when when that happens one day, the answer will be that there's lots of different answers. Yeah. Because I think there's different types of phenomena. I think so too, because there are too many different... I mean, there's poltergeists, there's... I know there there are intelligent hauntings, aren't there? So many different types of things. I mean, one of the stories in this new book is about a chap who... He was ever so good. He kept updating me all through 2020 uh, as the story unfolded because it had been going on for some years at the point he first wrote to me. And at that point, he was fairly certain that he'd worked out that the trouble they were experiencing in his house was due to the previous owner of the house who had died in the house. So he was thinking he'd got an intelligent spirit in the person of this previous owner who, for whatever reason, was being a bit mean to the house members um, and causing quite a lot of problems but as time went on and he tried to get help from various sources about this by the time we get to august 2020 and he finally got a resolution and somebody finally managed to quieten it all down and stop the problem he now firmly believes that what he actually had was an elemental oh really Mm. yeah and that you know 
as elementals are supposed to be able to do. You could also say that they're called boggarts or, you know, there's all sorts of names for them in ancient English. But they're often seen as a mischievous spirit who will cause problems, cause issues and do so in such a way that they're, they lead people up the garden path a bit as to thinking one thing when actually it's another. You know, so they pretend to be people or pretend to be something. That's that's kind of what boggarts do. So yeah, he's you know he's he's fairly certain that what he actually had was an elemental, and it was caused by some work being done on the land behind his house, disturbing hmm. it. And perhaps there's something suitably psychically in tune about him and his family that that was where the the elemental latched because it could get their attention. It is interesting because if you think about ghosts, right? And you go, okay, well, ghosts are people that used to be alive who died, and that's their spirit, right? Yeah. But when you get something like an elemental or something that's not human, then you wonder where they do come from. And that's why I always come back to that. I think there's more than one phenomena. Hmm. I think there is some empirical evidence that some ghosts are intelligent spirits that now communicate with people on this side of the veil if you like Mm -hmm. so you get all the stories about you know oh my grandmother came through and told us where the will was hidden or you know yeah or crisis apparitions that sort of thing where it's somebody who's died has come back to and and something they are able to impart to the living proves that it is the person who died that's giving the information yep and then you get the other type of haunting where Lots of people have experiences in the same location, but all their experiences are slightly different. And I don't mean like we were just discussing about Towton Moor, where lots of people experience different things, but actually they were all related to a battle one way or another. But where I mean areas where lots of things happen, but like one person might see a monk, another person might see a little girl, another person might see a grey dog. It, you know, they're, they're not the same thing that they're experiencing. Yeah. And that's when I start to think, well... Is that because that's an area that's somehow got a lot of psychic energy trapped in it somehow? So a lot of spirit is... Is drawn to it. Drawn to it or gathering there. Or is that an area where actually we've got some other kind of entity that's playing tricks and just manifesting in different ways? And then you get areas where you've got all of that going on and then you get things like earth lights happening or UFO sightings happening in the same place and Mm. so on. And then your head really starts to spin as to... You can see why this fascinates me forever, can't you? Because <laughs> you just can't get to the end of it. It would be nice if we could definitively get an answer one day. And I hope that one day that will come, you know. I think that it will one day. I think that we will know one day. Whether we all find out when it's too late is another thing. But I've got a theory that we're going to call Shelley's theory. Oh, boy. Oh, here we go. Yeah, go on <laughs> No, no, and it it kind of goes down what you were just saying there, but let's say, for instance, that we know that or we hear that possessions happen and the idea is that the spirit is then feeding off of the energy within within the living person, okay? Well, they're trying to push it out, but yeah. But then we've also then got the stone tape theory whereby the environment has absorbed this, as you said, psychic energy possibly. Are then ghosts... Because you lose someone you love, you don't always see them as a ghost. Okay, some people do, some people don't. They're not always in the same place, etc. So I wonder whether a ghost needs some kind of background energy to manifest. So for instance, 
if a ghost was sort of strolling along and then appeared at Towton Moor, where there's a lot of that residual energy, if you like, in the environment, has then the ghost got the power to then manifest? It's almost like the ghost can feed off that trapped energy in the environment. Like plugging something into a socket. Almost, yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, to be honest. Um, And I also wouldn't be surprised if certain people don't act like a socket that a ghost Mm -hmm. can plug into, if you like. Mm. You know, that give that power somehow. I always wondered, like, if when, like, people die or spirits are going to come through, they get to the, you know, the check-in desk or whatever, and they go, oh, okay, so who are you? I'm so-and-so. Oh, okay, and what kind of ghost do you want to be? And then they go, oh, well, I like horror movies, so I want to be this or somebody else. Maybe that, like the elemental, maybe that person was really a trickster and a a little, you know, annoying when they were alive. So they go, oh, I want to be that one. So that, you know, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't really think that's what it is, but it's an interesting thought. I was going to say, you poo-pooed my idea, then you come up with that. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, (laughs) because, because think about it, right? In like the, I don't know, 50s, the things that people saw are different to a lot of the things that people see now. Yeah, I think definitely pop culture has got a part to play in it. What do you think, Ruth? I definitely think that urban myth and pop culture have a huge part to play because I think the human brain is predisposed to translate what it's seeing and hearing in terms of what it understands. So at at every moment of every day, your senses are pounding your brain with millions and millions of little bits of data So right at this moment, as we're talking to each other, you know, my brain will be looking at the computer screen that's in front of me. My hearing will be hearing what you're saying, plus other things going on around. My skin will be reporting what the temperature's doing. My feet will be reporting that they can feel the carpet and so on and so on and so on and so on. Millions and millions and millions and millions of little bits of data being fed into this big machine that's our brain. And your brain has to filter all of that in such a way that it doesn't overwhelm your conscious, whatever consciousness is. That's a whole other debate. Um, So it doesn't overwhelm you every second, but it feeds you just enough that you can get through life and and function. And I think with the paranormal, what happens with the brain is it, it has all these input, and every so often a little cog of input comes through that doesn't fit because that because you haven't experienced that before. So, and that's when you you suddenly go, that was weird. Yeah. Like, you know, with your um, thing hitting the wall and then hitting the bed. There's probably been a dozen spiders have hit your bed while you've been sat on it any any given time. But your brain doesn't register them because they're normal occurrences. So it mm. doesn't bother reporting that to your central core brain. Which I'm me. very happy about, but yeah. It's me too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then that one time that something odd happens, it knows it has to report it. Mm-hmm. So it sends that one bit of information through. And I think... In order to make that split-second decision, with the brain being a sort of, you know, object that it is, you know, a computer, whatever you want to call it, it has to draw on what it knows about the world. And, of yeah. course, that's drawn from the popular myth that that person's aware of, you know, whether they happen to believe more in fairies or UFOs or are very religious or, you know, they're going to translate what data that brain gives them in the light of what kind of, you know, 
background they've got, aren't they? Well, yeah, no, that, I think that's that's a really good point. That's why I said this a long, long time ago that I think orbs are things that your brain can't dust can't you know oh you're funny that that it's something that your brain doesn't understand so it shows you an orb my personal view on orbs is the only time there's an orb is if you see it with your naked eye yeah any orb that's in a photograph probably just dust. the lens flare yeah. on dust yeah, I've got to be honest, a lot of these shows that we watch and they say, oh, look, there's activity, there's an orb in there. No, you've just walked into a room that has had no one in for the last 20 years. It's going to be dusty. You've just walked in there, you've shut the door, the air currents have changed, the temperature has changed, which means that obviously you've then got convection currents that then start going around the room. There's dust, mate. Yeah, and the way that a digital camera works is it's going to try and translate that when it picks it up with its light. Yeah. So it creates a little orb. And it's exactly the same as so many times I see photos posted up on paranormal sites. I've caught this amazing blue orb. No, you haven't. You're shooting towards the sun or other light source, and that's lens flare. And I can recreate it every time I point my camera at the sun. I can get you a lens flare every time. And it will look exactly the same. It'll be a little blue or green round disc, Mm. you know. But if you see an orb with the naked eye bouncing around a room then i'd be interested yeah because then i think you've got something odd going on might be a firefly of course but well that's kind of what i meant that when you actually are seeing it because i think the ones on cameras are like you said they're either dust or bugs or lens flare or reflection off of something else or whatever but we've got a security camera outside (laughs) and we can log on to it via our phones you know it's one of these ring alarm cameras that's up high and we can log on to it and because it's got a floodlight on it there's these uh, mosquitoes and gnats and everything that fly around it in the night and if i was to post that online and say crazy amount of orbs uh, somebody would garden, believe it somebody would immediately jump on that and go oh my god you know they've got the most haunted garden in the world and somebody would respond with I can feel that it is, it's the ghost of a little boy trying to get your attention or yeah. Yeah. whatever. They will interpret that in a way, thinking that they can feel something. I remember putting a, a picture on my Twitter feed. One of my things I tend to do when I'm out and about anywhere is have a look in my own books to see. This is sad, isn't it? Have a look in my own books to see if where I'm going is past anywhere that's haunted. Mm. And I will, you know detour my route so that i can go past these haunted places and just see if there's anything there and take a couple of pictures and i tend to post them on my social media and this particular day i happened to be in the isle of wight so i posted a picture of a lane beside a church that's a very haunted lane and i posted it on my twitter feed um, and on my facebook feed i got inundated absolutely inundated with people responding saying yes i can see the ghost in the graveyard really? I didn't see anything. And the first few, I was like, really? Where? Have I, have I actually caught a ghost? Where? Mm. So people started, yes, yes, I'll show. You know how they can, I don't know how people do this because I haven't figured out how to do it myself yet. Please, somebody teach me. You know, and they can send you a photo and they've put like a little red ring round mm. what they want you to look at as if it's been drawn with pen. Yeah. yeah. People started me sending those in to me. I just got hundreds and hundreds of them on my Twitter feed. And by the time they'd all come in, I kid you not, every single part of that photograph had a little red ring around it. Paradolia, <laughs> would you say? Every single time. Yeah. Every single one was they were blowing the picture up to look at it. Because I, I realised afterwards what I'd done was the way I had worded the post 
where I posted the photo. I had worded it poorly, which is bad for an author, I know, but it could be taken one of two ways. And whereas I thought I'd written, here is a picture of a very haunted lane, it could also be read a different way of, here is a picture of the haunting in the lane sort of thing. Right. So people were looking at the photo trying to see the haunting. But don't you think that out of that came actually a really good social experiment? Well, unintentionally, absolutely, because it it just goes to show how unreliable photographs can be. And I think that's part of why the paranormal stuff, the the field is still interpreted in so many different ways because people are so interested in it and so into it that they – try to make things more relevant than they really are. The water is muddied in a way, and I don't necessarily think in all cases intentionally. I think there's some well-meaning people out there that that were trying to help you find the haunting, maybe. Yeah. But when that water is muddied then with people that come across as a little bit crazy is why I think that maybe this field doesn't get the funding, really, that it deserves to be able to do some real well, that- hard science yeah that's what i'm talking about like they know how to look for cancer they can find that but nobody really can say i'm going to see a poltergeist just going to be in that house and it's going to be you know at that time and i can find it because i've got this machine that's definitely going to do it that's a good point if you were to go back to that lane ruth and you you know maybe went back with some friends or whatever and could take all of the equipment with you that was available in the world how would you prove that entity of that man on that side of the road what could you do do you think to prove it therein lies the six million dollar question doesn't it and therein lies the whole point of me researching like i do and writing the books like i do because at the moment the way things stand at the moment i don't think you can exactly and that's what i I don't think yeah i don't think there's any piece of equipment out there yet doesn't mean to say there won't be at some point, that can empirically prove or record the paranormal occurrence in any given location and then, you know, decide what that occurrence actually is in scientific terms. Hmm. Because I just don't think we've got that level of technology available to us yet. And certainly, you know, I've been on a lot of ghost hunts. I've been on quite a lot of ghost hunts with commercial organisations. I've been on some where I think they're, you know, trying to drum it up just for commercial reasons. I've been on others where I think they're absolutely genuine people who are genuinely trying to find the paranormal. But I am fairly certain that a fair amount of the equipment that you can buy from ghost hunting sites has been rigged to give these responses. Mm -hmm. Mm. Because we have sat at times, I take my husband with me a lot, who's, you know, very sceptical. And he will sit and watch these EMF meters, for instance, that have all the pretty flashing lights on them. Mm. And if he watches it for more than a couple of hours, he can predict the pattern that it's going to flash in. Really? Why? Because it must have a chip in it that gives... That does something, a, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that rotates the apparently random pattern. Mm. He can almost get to the point where he's able to lean across to me on the quiet and say, Here it comes. it's going to answer <laughs> yes now, you know, because it's doing it in a sequence. Well, that clearly then isn't anything paranormal. It's something to do with that piece of machinery. So when I go ghost hunting, I don't use one of those flashy, has all sorts of weird lights on it that you bought from some ghost hunting site off the internet. I take an EMF meter that an electrician would use, yeah. which is doing nothing yeah. but recording the electromagnetic yeah. field. It has no flashing lights. Yeah. It has nothing fancy on it. It just records the, the level of the field. And similarly, my 
temperature gauge for you know recording drops or raises in temperature is just an electrician's laser pointed temperature gauge yeah yeah just an infrared yeah my my evp recorder is just a plain digital recorder it's not anything bought from a site and i really i really don't know what to think about things like ovulus boxes and ovulus apps and spirit boxes and all that sort of thing where the voices come through from the white noise because i think 99 times out of 100 they're just programmed to spit out random words but having said that i have been on a couple of ghost hunting nights where the random words it spit out have been utterly relevant to the place and the question that was just asked yeah i've seen a couple of videos with that as well and, where it's and actually come think, out with sentences Ooh. yeah and then i start to think oh hang on a minute that challenges my theory yeah. nicely <laughs> that actually supports kind of what we're saying is that there is not like like when you go to the doctor the x-ray machine works this way and yes. and this c- company can make it and this other company can make it and they can maybe change the way it looks and what the color is but it works the same, the same exact results. way yeah yes and there isn't anything like that right now to do that when you're you know going to haunted places i mean yeah okay you you got the evp meter and all that sort of stuff but but i think that goes back to what we were saying before is to if the waters weren't as muddy as they yeah. are then and there was proper scientific studies done into it and proper money and, and research that went into it you might end up getting a piece of equipment that is then certified and has to be a certain standard to be able to re- yeah. register and record the phenomena wouldn't that be lovely it would be amazing and i that, would be in the queue to buy that piece of equipment if there was such a thing i really would you know we've got a lot of people listening to this show who are ghost hunters and everything and i'm not in any way putting down any kind of ghost hunting all the methods that they're using because as we've just said there is no hard and fast method exactly. so if you can get results that you can produce then great my only concern unfortunately is the fact that if you get a video you're going to get people saying no 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 you 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 know that cgi'd or that was set up if you record an evp they're going to say there was someone else in the room that that made the noise yeah that will get rid of it'll throw the baby out with the bathwater exactly. yeah and that i think that's my fascination as well that as much as you know a lot of the times i think some of these these things aren't real every so often you come across one and you think that one i can't explain yeah that one that video or that ovulus recording i mean you know i saw one once where it, it spat out three times in a row three words separately not as one sentence mm. it spat out old grizzly hall as three separate words and it did it three times mm. and we were a investigating old grizzly hall now there is no way that any manufacturer of that device i would ever even think of it i'd never even heard of the damn place till i went there you know yeah so there's no way that can have been pre-recorded or pre-set up or pre-anything that chucked it out somehow on the night that we happened to be in that location yeah and it's those it's those little gems of anomalies that most reputable ghost hunters are searching for you know and any of them will tell you it's not like you see on telly where they go and they have 10 things happen in one night. Real ghost hunting is you go for 10 nights and absolutely nothing happens. And then on one night you get something. Yeah. Maybe the the interest for these people, and myself included, is not the 
I need to prove it to the world. It's that I need to prove it to myself. And if you've gone there and you know that you haven't set up some kind of hoax and you were able to capture something or record something, then does it really matter what the world thinks if you've convinced yourself that actually there's something else to it? Well, that's exactly why I go out for, you know, first-hand witness accounts for all of my books. Yeah. Because I always come back to, it doesn't matter what anybody says to me, I lived with that poltergeist. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it do what it did. I experienced that. You can't change my mind on that. You can't take that away. I would like an explanation for how it was doing it, but you can't change the fact that it did it in front of me. I afford that same level of respect to my witnesses, if you like, that whatever they're telling me, that's what happened to them. And that's why I'm always, I'm absolutely religious in my belief that I will not embellish the stories they give me. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I independently publish. I won't, you know, I don't go through a publisher because I worry that they would try and pressure me to sex the story up a bit, you know. Yeah. If somebody writes to me and says we had this haunted house and the door slammed, then that's what goes in the book. A house yep. was haunted because the door slammed. Yeah. Not, you know, we saw a creepy figure and we did a Ouija board and we did whatever whatever whatever. I report what the people tell me they saw. So when you're reading some of the stories in my books that have a lot more, lot of detail in them, particularly like this chap I was mentioning earlier, who's, you know, had years of this and then finally decided it might be an elemental. That's the story as he has presented it to me. And I have no reason to suppose that he's doing anything other than giving me a fully truthful account of what he's experienced and his take on that. It might not be the accurate tape take on it because we don't yet know that, do we? But that's where he's got to in his thinking. So that's what I've presented and and the whole idea is if if enough people gather data and record it and all these ghost hunters out there that do youtube videos kudos to you guys because you know yes yeah, some of them are going to be faked of course they are this is the world we live in but some of those are real some of those yeah. are what people actually manage to get on the night and it's those gems like i say keep doing it people get out there get out there with your cameras get out there with your recorders try and get the, the evidence because at some point in time there will be enough evidence to say for somebody really clever to sit down and say eureka i found the answer did you learn anything while you were doing this book that changed any of your perceptions on the phenomena at all not really i wouldn't have said anything that wasn't already a perception for me that i think that there really is lots of different answers for the types of things that people experience. And I guess the only thing I learned is that even I can be scared too silly to go back and check on something. Well, that, that's, that's, a really, that's a really good thing to learn, though, isn't it? You know, no, it well, depends on how you look at it. No, no I'm, I'm, the reason why I'm saying that is because you grew up with the haunting, as you said, and you, you hear a lot of these cases, there's, and, and, and I'm not judging you in any way, but there's possibly a scenario where you could be desensitised to it and maybe that little, that little jolt, that little bit of fear that you felt there was a, a wake-up call to say, whoa, hang on a minute, yeah, people are really going through it. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. You know, yeah. maybe, you know, you do become desensitized and i mean some of my friends you know are very proud of the fact that i've done what i said i was going to do and very proud of the fact that i've become this author and that i'm selling the books but they won't actually read the book because they're scared (laughs) of the paranormal Mm. and of course i don't feel like that i you know i i immerse myself in people's stories of the paranormal so yeah perhaps it is a good thing that every so often something jolts me into remembering that you know for for people this is a scary thing and lots of people out there it is a really frightening thing when they experience something that's out of the norm that they haven't got 
my passionate interest in it that actually they just wish it would go away. You've appeared on a number of shows recently and you're really gaining notoriety in the field now. Has the exposure and the interest in your work taken you by surprise at all? Yes, is the simple answer to that one. When I wrote the first book, I had set myself a goal of wouldn't it be absolutely amazing if I managed to get this into a paperback and sell a hundred of them. Hmm. And that was as far as I thought it would ever go. And then, you know, and I would just be able to look on a, a shelf somewhere one day and see one of my books sitting on the shelf. And of course now, you know, four years later, they're selling all over the world. I get people from all over the world talking to me. I do radio interviews. I do podcasts, I do, you know, newspaper interviews, all sorts because people are interested in this subject and they're interested in the way that I approach it. You know, the sort of no nonsense, mm. just take the data and put it down way. And and yeah, just fascinating. You do. And as you said, you're true to the story, but it doesn't read like a textbook. You know, there are lots of books out there that are reporting the facts and they read like a textbook and they're really difficult to get through. Yours aren't. So while I appreciate you saying that you put the facts in, you still use your talents as an author to make the story engaging. You know, you want to find out what happens next. So I I know you didn't mean this, but don't do yourself a disservice by just saying that, you know, you just report the facts because I know you do, but you do it in a really clever way. Oh, that's nice of you to say so. You're and, not just a scribe. Yeah, and in terms no. <laughs> of looking at a shelf and seeing your book, I'm looking at a shelf yeah. and seeing three of your books right now. <laughs> Excellent. (laughs) We've obviously had you on the past. You've been on episode 66 talking about these haunted times uh, last year. Also last year, episode 48, we did the roadmap of British ghosts. And then episode 34, we did the ghosts of Marston Vale. So if any of our listeners want to hear any more about your other work, then obviously go back and listen to those. You also have these haunted times volume two coming out next month, you said, or later on this month? Well, later on this month, with a bit of luck, um, it might even be next week if I really manage to pull my finger out. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely be uh, looking forward to picking that one up. What's next for you, Ruth? You know, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) She already said she started another book already. (laughs) I just honestly, I despair of myself sometimes. I just can't leave that database alone. And I started with a I just need to take a break from because I was I was doing the proofreading bit of my book where I go through and check everything actually makes sense. And you have to do that in small chunks because otherwise you become word blind quite quickly. Mm. So I'd done an, an hour or two at it and I thought, oh, I just need to take a break from that. I'll just fiddle around with the database for a bit because I know it needs tidying up a little bit. Oh, before I knew it, I was busy looking things up and busy. Oh, hang on a minute. Is that place where it says it is? Is, mm. that, is that author right about where they said that happened? Was that really the Civil War? That <laughs> and off well, we go. That's good, though, because, I mean, aside from the fact that it is stuff that you're interested in, you get to do that every day. The other thing is there's always more of it. There's always more. And I've got a bit of a hankering to start a new database with the rest of the world Um, because my (laughs) database is entirely UK-based, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I had somebody write to me. That's interesting. Well, yeah, exactly. I had somebody write to me with a, a, a German ghost story recently and that was an RAF base in Germany interestingly enough and I was so sad because it was not going to fit in any of the books because the books are all about British ghosts yeah. damn it where am I going to put this so I did talk about it in, in one interview or another I forget which one now sadly you know to make sure it sort of got out there because it deserved to be heard but it made me think oh I need a new database with ghosts of the rest of the world oh that means I could do a book about ghosts and off I went <laughs> 
So, mm. yeah, watch this space. There'll be more. Well, well your goals aren't if, small ones, that's for sure. Yeah, either that or you can, you can get a, have a website where you can smack the database up there so that people can fill stuff in. You help could. to you know, to, to correlate more stuff that, that that then you can go through and look at and, you know, see which things you might, might want to sort of... I mean, I guess in a way that's what you do now, though, isn't it? Because people, people get in touch with you and tell you and then you put it away for a while and see where it's going to fit. And I think that'd be a really nice idea for someone to do. I'm not techie enough to, to live with doing that. Yeah. Because for me, the excitement is getting the story and, and look and comparing it to my database. So if I put the database online myself and people started adding to it, I wouldn't know what they'd added. And yeah. I'd get all frustrated because I hadn't seen it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a great idea. Yeah. Somebody, somebody do that. Somebody put mm. a database online that people can add their stories to and that the rest of us can use then as a, you know, a research tool because that would be fabulous, wouldn't it? Like a wiki ghost. A, yeah. a wiki ghost. <laughs> oh, see, right, Bella. Register We'll register that before this goes yeah, out. Yeah, before it goes yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 I'll look for Wiki Ghost if you like. Yeah, you go for it. <laughs> Ruth, you've been amazing as always. Thank you very much. Where can people get hold of your book? How can they learn about when it's released? And how can they get in touch with you? So you need to watch my social media feed, feeds to get the release date for certain. Because like I say, it's imminent so that'll be twitter facebook or i have an amazon authors page they'll be on all of those the books are primarily sold through amazon but you can get them from other online booksellers and you can also uh, get libraries to stock them by asking and you can contact me by emailing me at wa-1400 at outlook.com and please do please write to me with your stories definitely ruth you've been amazing thank you very much once again so much fun to talk to you guys it always is and that christmas dinner is a definite idea yeah yes (laughs) if it's food i'm there (laughs) yeah well because you didn't have to cook it Uh uh-huh exactly (laughs) well once again ruth knocked it out the park didn't she Yes, she did. Don't forget, you can get your hands on her book now. It's available on Amazon and all of your favourite bookstores. Make sure that you send her any information if you've got it on any hauntings that you might be experiencing or that you might know of, because she is definitely looking at building that database. And don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family and everyone else who knows you via social media and tag us into it so that we can enter you into the draw to win the free signed copy right well i guess we better get going Aye. so aren't you gonna tell them where they gotta get everything yeah you can go to our website www.weirdwackywonderful.co.uk on instagram we are at weird wacky wonderful podcast on facebook we are at weird wacky wonderful stories podcast on twitter we are at the www podcast and our email address should you wish to get hold of us is mail at weirdwackywonderful.co.uk there's no shortage of ways to get in touch with us is there definitely not y'all mm. so please do And just to say as well, happy Thanksgiving to all of our American friends. We know that it was about four days ago by the time this comes out, but happy Thanksgiving anyway. Yeah, good deal. Good deal. We won't tell everybody that we celebrated it a week early. I put it on social media, (laughs) they know. They know. Okay. Right then. Until next time, make sure you stay. Weird, Weird, wacky, wacky, and and wonderful. wonderful.